From power skirts to power flirts, this is Pretty Politics, where your hosts, Kayla and Heather, are talking the lighter side of politics. Hello, and welcome back to the Pretty Politics Podcast. I am Kayla Blakesley, your radio programmer by day and podcaster by afternoon because it's not night. And I am in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which makes this podcast so unique and why you have to listen to it because my co-host is over in California. Hi, guys. I'm Heather Gardner. But Kayla, I'm laughing at you because you are downplaying yourself. Girl! Kayla, if y'all didn't know, is hashtag badass boss woman. She's not just this radio programmer. She is news director, host, anchor, like badass lady extraordinaire. So, sorry, I just had to give oh, you a little tell credit. me more. <laughs> tell me more. Anyway. You can I use just... that hashtag too. Yeah, right. I am Heather Gardner, as Kayla said, in um, Los Angeles. I am an entertainment reporter um, doing politics at Yahoo Entertainment. And yeah, podcaster by It's Morning Here, so... What an oxymoron, by the way, Yahoo Entertainment Politics. Kind of an oxymoron. Well, kind of, but I mean, we as we've seen the last couple of years, uh, celebrities are getting more and more involved in politics. So I've kind of just covered it. Hey, I'm with you and I support it. I support it because essentially that's what this podcast is all about. We're blurring the lines between all the pretty parts and ugly parts mm-hmm. of politics. And we're doing it without yes. hate, right, Heather? You're not going to hate on me. I'm not going to hate on you. That is the reason we started this podcast was to have differing opinions, talk about them nicely, and sometimes not nicely. But at the end of every segment, at the end of every podcast, we agree that we learn something and we're still friends. Believe it or not, if you want to check some previous episodes, <laughs> go check us out at the prettypoliticspodcast.com. All of our previous episodes are there. So, but today... Heather, we're talking about Trump telling jokes once again. Oh, goodness gracious. Women's health. And do we really know about our bodies? Let's be honest. And (laughs) everybody and their brother turning to social media to pay their bills. That's such a millennial thing. I love it. I can't wait. It is. I don't even know how I feel about it. I can't wait to talk about it. But Trump, he's telling jokes. What's this latest joke, Heather? Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all. Donald Trump has just been on a campaigning rampage lately. To be honest, Kayla, I don't know why. This is not a presidential election year. It's an election year, but it's not for him. And yet he is just campaigning like the election is tomorrow. Well, he needs to to hold some clout during... I suppose. I suppose. But anyway, um, Trump has had this longstanding feud with... I mean, fill in the blank, but we're going to fill it in with Elizabeth Warren, um, who's who's a Democratic senator. And he, <laughs> what are you laughing? He has, he has called her Pocahontas in a very mean way for a very long time. And it's because she has claimed that she has Native American heritage in her. I'm just going to take her for a word for it. We don't know. She looks white to me, but she has touted that for a long time. And Trump makes fun of it by calling her Pocahontas. Well, at a rally this week in Montana, he managed to slip in a Me Too movement joke while he was insulting this woman's heritage. And I, you know, to be honest, I was kind of impressed because I don't know how you get in like women's suffrage and racism in the same sentence, but also it's pretty appalling. Should, should we play it? I think we should play it. Let's say I'm debating Pocahontas, right? I promise you I'll do this. I will take, you know, those little kits they sell on television for $2. Learn your heritage. We will take that little kit and say, but we have to do it gently because we're in the Me Too generation. So we have to be very gentle. 
And we will very gently take that kid and we will slowly toss it, hoping it doesn't hit her and injure her arm. So first of all, he's got one hell of a speechwriter, because you're right, how do you get all that into one sentence? I mean, bravo, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I was a little impressed, like, sadly. But, I, mean, I mean, I'm not a fan of racism in any way, shape, or form. I mean, the whole, you know, no. let's, let's, that's not no. very classy. But I kind of do laugh at the part when he says, you know, we got to do it gently, though, because this... You know, me too. Oh because honestly, I feel that way too. I would hate to be a man in today's day and age because I feel like you got to walk on eggshells around women. So that part I did find quite comical. I feel like men should walk on eggshells around women. But it's just so funny coming from the source because let's be real here. While this whole Me Too movement, I mean, it's kind of come down a little bit, but while in its height... Donald Trump, the president of the United States, was accused of sexual harassment or sexual abuse by at least 16 women, and none of it led to anything. And he is, we know that he's a misogynistic POS. So for him to say it, oh, it just rubbed me the wrong way. Because he made a joke about it? I mean, we all know he's a misogynistic a-hole. So, I mean, are you surprised? No, that's another thing, too. I'm definitely not surprised. The guy has no shame, no self-awareness. But I just think, like, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a joke. It's funny. But considering the source, considering that he actually has been accused of sexual harassment by 16 or so women, ew, ugh, please, just, just do not touch it with a 10-foot pole, Trump, please. But he's right. We're living in a day and age where anybody can call anything sexual harassment these days and the men are automatically guilty. So like I said, I kind of find part of it kind of funny. You know, I was actually having this conversation with my husband. We were talking about this and both of us like rolled our eyes just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But then also segued into a lot of different things. We've seen this a lot in Hollywood. I've reported a ton over the last year or so about all of these cases from Harvey Weinstein all the way down to one of the latest ones, Chris Hardwick. And the thing is... Even though private institutions, you know, private businesses have the right to distance themselves from anybody they feel like. I mean, take Roseanne, for example, even though that wasn't the Me Too thing. Um, these men, they're just taking these women's word for it and these men's lives are over. I kind of feel like I'm in a Hollywood bubble and I almost felt like it was like public pressure that all this was going down. But I'd love to hear like from, you know, the middle part of the country. It's happening there, too. It's happening here, too, on a much, um, I'm going to call it smaller level, not that it's not a big deal. For example, our attorney right. general, it's happening, too. This is a big story for us here in the state of Indiana. Just a couple of days ago, four women came out and said we allegedly inappropriately touched them at a bar. And they just decided to come out about this now. And the guy, our wow. governor, has now asked him to step down. Some of our top Republican leaders have asked him to step down. And I'm just, my mind is blown sometimes because there hasn't been an investigation. There's been no charges really made against him. They're just simply accusations. Right. And now I'm going to go with you out on that limb and say life is over for him. And I think it's a bunch of crap. I just think it's a case-by-case -case basis. I want to believe these women. I do. But I also know women. Some of us can be really manipulative, you know? So I just I just feel like it's all on a case-by-case -case basis. We can never just blanket anything as, you know, as awful. But there, no one's going to trial. These are, I mean, the statute of limitations pretty much nullifies any of the stuff, even rape, which that's a whole other issue. But 
you know, even Harvey Weinstein couldn't, who we know is a scumbag, who we know raped people, really could, it took them so long to get something on him because of the statute of limitations. Like, it's it's crazy. I want to believe these women, but at the same time, like, it really is a case-by-case basis, and I don't... I don't know if all of it's true. You just proved my point about Donald Trump's little do it gently walking on eggshells thing, though. If you bring it full circle back to Donald Trump and him telling his jokes in one sentence, you know, you don't know what women are going to say. You pat him on the back and ask to buy him a drink. And the next thing you know, they're screaming, he touched me inappropriately. I mean, come on. We are living in a day and age when men got a tiptoe or their lives are over. Well, we also do have the president on tape grabbing him by the, you know what. <laughs> oh, that was locker room talk. Oh, you please, can't tell do not me even. I'm, men in point, your life haven't talked inappropriately before. My point is, my point is that, yes, we don't have, like, a court case to prove any of this stuff, but we do know for un... un It is totally verifiable on tape that Trump does not treat women very well. He does not think of them well in public or in private. And so maybe, just maybe, he should have had a little more self-awareness by throwing in a Me Too joke. That's all I'm saying. You said he doesn't treat them very well. And he might in his, um, let's going to call it his personal life, but in his professional life, don't forget, (laughs) women are in some of the highest paid administrative positions there are. They're pretty much the face of this country right underneath Trump's. Sarah Sanders, the head yeah, of the but, Pentagon, the State Department. Those are all women. He's appointed all women. Yeah, but he stopped. I mean, just look at the way. But look at the way that he treated Megyn Kelly because he didn't like the way that she talked about him. I mean, that's the point. I mean, you can you can be nice to women. You can put them in powerful positions. But at the end of the day, if you belittle them because you don't agree with them, is that? I mean, does it nullify? What I mean, well, I don't I mean, know. I belittle Megyn Kelly too. So I can't. <laughs> I don't like her either. But still, it was inappropriate the way he he attacked her back during the election, the, during the campaign, on a very personal and sexist way. Not just because they disagreed, but because she was a woman talking about her period on national television. That that's too far. It is. Well, speaking of women's periods. <laughs> oh, that's right. What a great segue. What a great segue. You didn't even know you did it. Women's health. And we are women. Last I checked. Yes. Pretty sure we're going to stay that way for the rest of our lives. We're still there. (laughs) Still there. What do we even really know about our bodies? And this kind of came into question. An article just came out. I believe the girl was about 16 years old, a teenager. She died from toxic shock syndrome, which, Heather, I didn't really realize this was that big of a deal, but like you said, your mama wouldn't even let you wear tampons. Well, this this girl was, you know, I think it was at a camp or something, and her, her friends found her dead, and they didn't know why. This actually happened last year. It took them a whole year to actually figure out why, and it was because of a tampon. Uh, she had toxic shock syndrome, which, let's be clear here, this isn't an epidemic. I think there's only about 40 cases of deaths in women because of this per year, so it's not like this giant, huge problem. But it just raised the question, Kayla, when you sent this article to me, I'm reading through it. And it even like the physicians that they quoted were just like, well, you know, it took us so long to figure it out. Why she died. We, we don't really know. And I'm just like, what? How, how do you doctors not know? <laughs> Here's what was so staggering to me, because I'm going to be the first to say, yes, I wear tampons. Yeah, of course. No, I didn't know a whole lot about toxic shock syndrome. Okay. They don't put that label on the box or that warning on the box. But when I so when I'm reading this and you and I are chit chatting about it, all I can think about was cigarettes. As weird as this is, I don't smoke. I've never smoked. Not a smoker. But I know a whole hell of a lot about the side effects of cigarettes. I know what it can do to me, what it can do to my body, what it can do to my lungs, what it can do to my pocketbook. Yeah. But when it comes to a tampon that I put inside my body every single month, and I've right. been doing it since I was about 18 years old, I don't know nothing 
about the side effects of it. I don't know nothing about what it can do to my body. And like I said, the mm-hmm. warning labels aren't exactly there on the box. Well, here's we'll take it a step further, you know, because obviously all women go through their monthly time of the month and flow business. Um, but taking it a step further, you know, I've been on birth control for, oh gosh, I don't even know, almost 10 years or so. Um and it's funny, though, because I didn't even get on birth control to actually control birth. I was I was abstinent at the time. But, like, you know, I was complaining about my period to my doctor. And she goes, just get on the pill. And I just did. I didn't read any side effects. Nobody told me anything. I just got on the pill, felt better. I've been on it for 10 years now. I'm married, and I actually do use it to control birth. But, like, this, what do we know? I just, it's, thinking about it now and thinking how quickly I just put this pill in my body without knowing anything and without, you know, I didn't know to ask questions. The doctor didn't give me anything. It just happens. You know? No, I'm with you. The same exact thing happened to me. I never had a period, so we have opposite problems. Mm. So, of course, the solution for me was, oh, hey, just take birth control. I'm with you. Wasn't doing it at the time. Right. Didn't need it for those reasons. But I'm with you. I just popped it in my mouth. No problem. I guess this is the solution to my problem. But it's like, okay, so am I still going to have issues if I get off birth control? Are you telling me if I want to have kids, I got to make a different sacrifice because there's no other solution to the problem? Or endometriosis. What do you have that? They prescribe birth control, but yet, so I got to deal with that pain if I want to have kids. There's really no other alternative. It's funny. I mean, we, you're almost, well, I don't want to give out your ages, but I am in my 30s now. It's a very sad, sad thing. You are officially, <laughs> I'll, I'll give out my age. I'm in my late 20s, everyone. Oh, Heather in her for 30s. Like another, Just throwing that out there. For another half a minute. <laughs> I don't care. I'm still younger than you. I always will be. Hold on to that as soon as you can. And listen, I am going to take some of the credit or some, you know, for not knowing about this because I could look up anything. I could. But the point is, is like no one ever sat me down, not my doctor, not even my own mother, sat me down to really talk about my body, you know. And, you know, we got into this conversation too off off air here. Whose responsibility is it to teach women about their bodies? There's a lot to know, you know? And so I don't, I don't know. Now it's my responsibility, obviously. And I've learned a lot, but like my mother, I never got the birds and bees talk. I never knew what a period was until one day, hello, there it is. I never knew about tampons until I was in college. Like whose responsibility is it? Well, I'll go back, take this back to like sex education. I can mm-hmm. always remember our sex education happened in school in sixth grade. And I'll be honest, it actually made me really, really uncomfortable. Right. I don't think I was ready for that conversation in sixth grade. I had the same one, yeah. Yeah. Other kids might have been. I, I don't know. That doesn't really matter. But so I feel like if you're going to tell me, teach me about sex in sixth grade and abstinence and Nowadays, they're talking to you about all kinds of other things that, again, that's a separate topic of conversation for a different day. But I don't know, would it kill you to put in some women's health and men's health in those, separate the birds and the bees to have the conversations? You know, I don't know. I think if you're going to talk to kids about sex in sixth grade, you might as well throw a little health in there while you're at it. I grew up in the South, and I mean, we were really taught. It's very interesting, and looking back now, I kind of think it almost might have been child abuse to be to be completely honest with you about how little but but listen about how little no just about how little we we were educated on everything because I grew up in a very very conservative area of town which obviously what's being taught in school is decided by the local government the school district we were only taught abstinence can I tell you how many people at my high school got pregnant because they didn't know that there were other options you know and so I just I feel like 
men and women, but especially women, need to know about their bodies. They need to know about their options. They need to know all kinds of different things, whether that could come from the school, the church, your parents. I don't have an answer, but I just know like when we talk about like abortion and stuff, I'm pro-choice. I think that women need to have the right to choose, but I always go back to the the number one fundamental thing is women need to know about their bodies enough to never even get into that situation in the first place. And I feel like if our school system could get past the abstinence only, because let's be realistic people, we would have a lot less of these like problems, you know? See, I I mean, I, I kind of going full circle again, I don't think it's just one answer. I'm with you. I think it's parents. I think it's school. I think it's the church. I think it's all that. I will say in my school, it wasn't, they, they, their solution was handing out condoms like candy. Right. Um, in sixth grade, which that's why I said I wasn't ready for that conversation that like mortified me. I didn't even, and I actually took the condoms. I'll never forget this story (laughs) because you're in sixth grade. You take what they give you. My mama found them. And mind you, I'm in sixth grade. (laughs) God. I'm like, I swear to God, mom, you know, this was from my health class or my sex education course or whatever. And she wasn't happy about it. It turned into a whole thing in my family, but right. You know, so, but I, cause I, but I know there's some kids who don't have the parents that will sit them down. Mm-hmm. I know there's some kids who aren't going to church to learn that lesson too. So that's right. why I think it's a little bit of sprinkling a little bit of everything. And then as, as humans, and we are now, we have this luxury of a thing called Google, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's, I think it's on everybody's part to be a little bit educated. I mean, thank God. I can't tell you how many times I Googled a couple of things uh, that yeah. I wouldn't have wanted to ask anybody <laughs> or have my mama tell me I about. mean, as, as you guys all know, I'm sorry, if there's any guys listening, maybe you just need to learn for your, you know, wives, future girlfriends, all that stuff. But I mean, <laughs> some, be beneficial. Some, women's bodies are very mysterious. And sometimes you look down there and you're like, oh, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, again, can you imagine what they did without Google? No. I mean, there must have been a lot of mortifying, embarrassing conversations back in the day. Oh my gosh. I mean, now I'm like, I'm older. My mom actually has, um, she was a nurse back in the day as well. She's retired now, but I'll just call her now. But I mean, when you're 15, 16, that seems like the most mortifying thing is to call your mom to the bathroom to take a look. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. I mean, no way. No way, no Jose. Way. No, no. I'd rather eat a spoonful literally of dirt with worms in it. Pretty Politics, powered by liars, cheaters, and dirtbags. Now back to more of Pretty Politics with your hosts, Kayla and Heather. This next story that came out, I saw this one on Friday, and quite frankly, I'm thinking about signing up. It's a new game show. So essentially, you go on this game show. It's kind of like Family Feud. There's like some trivia questions, and there's you and three other people that you're up against, and you know, you're up against the clock and all that good stuff. But the premise of the show is to have your student loan debts paid off. And so so you win, and then your student loan is like, it's done. They pay it for you. They pay it off for you. And it's, it's set up so you, it's not like you're going to take the money and pay your car payment. Right. I mean, it is set up that it will go directly towards your school loan, whatever it may be, wherever it may be. You know, there's lots of requirements to even get on it. I'm sure you have to have a certain number of, or a certain amount of school debt. I feel like I would be a great candidate for it. I went to Penn State. That crap wasn't cheap. Um, But how about, this brings up the question, Heather. Mm -hmm. Are people turning to social media to pay their bills? Or game shows? Or, yeah, I mean, well, when you sent me this article, the first thing I thought of was another article, um, coincidentally, that I had read a couple years ago about crowdsourcing 
your healthcare, which of course that means like Kickstarter or what's the other? I think it's called Crowd Crowdsource. I think is the other big one. Base basically, you see this all the time, and I've donated mm-hmm. as well. A family member gets sick, a child gets cancer. You know, these crazy things happen where life gets in the way of all the plans, and families don't have the money to pay for these traumatic things. So they immediately start a Kickstarter campaign, and go to like fund these healthcare medical bills. And I just, it's so interesting because we see all the time, I didn't ever stop to think about, well, why can't these people afford, why why can't this these parents afford to get their child cancer care, you know? And, and, and it's interesting about how really America has come to crowdsourcing their medical bills and, you know, game shows for their student loan bills and, and all other things. I mean, I had a family member who he wanted to go back to school. So he set up a GoFundMe account for people to contribute to the his little kitty there. So he could go back to school. I mean, I think it's for anything. Paying bills, school loans, to oh, wow. go to school. I mean, whatever it might be. Bottom line, people are turning to game shows and social media to pay their bills. To me, to me, it just sounds like there's like a bigger problem here of why we, we can't do that. Let's start, let's start with the student loans first. I mean, I was actually, I'm not going to say that I was fortunate. I just like worked really hard to not have student loans. And it's because of my parents, because when it came time to, to actually go to school, uh, they did not save for anything. Um, they didn't have, I didn't have like a trust fund. I didn't have any, they didn't save their whole lives to send their three girls to school. Um, and they were very open about that. So I had to stay home and go to community college. And when I went away, my third year of college, I was like, I'll get some loans. And my dad was like, you will not. The government will control you. Very conspiratorial. But uh, he was kind of right. I'm glad that he instilled that fear in me because I didn't end up doing it. And I just worked all through school. I worked six nights a week and then did all kinds of um little odd jobs while I was going to school full time, I ended up not having any student loans. Um, so I don't understand like the pain that you're going through. My sister, on the other hand, has student loans and she's still paying them off six, seven years later. And it's just, she paid, I think she told me she had to pay like $1,000 a month and like 800 of that went to interest or something ridiculous like that. It is ridiculous. And I, I have I have flip-flopped feelings on school loans for okay. two different reasons. A, I mean, I'm the one who chose to go to the school that I went to. Like right. I said, I went to Penn State. That crap ain't cheap. Right. And it's not like they teach different facts at Penn State from the ones in your community college. I'm certain the facts are the same. <laughs> so I fully went into that knowing the cost of it. I was right. fortunate. My parents said wherever I chose, they'd pay two years. I pay two years, essentially. That's, that's, that's kind of the deal I had. That's nice. So... I did have a little bit of a luxury there, but still, had I been a little bit smarter, I might have been like, eh, I'll go to the Penn State Satellite Campus, be a fraction of the cost, and I might be debt, student loan debt-free today had that happened, but I didn't. So on one hand, I'm like, well, I made I made my bed. I got to sleep in it, you know? But then there's this other side of me, like in this flip-flop that I'm doing. The flop to me is, well, but it's the game. If I don't have a college degree, I'm really not going to get a job, and if I don't get a job, I'm not going to live. So there is that. But again, I would argue you're doing just as well as me, and you went to a community college. I went to a big D1 college. So well, I did. I did know. transfer to a bigger university, the, actually the biggest university in Florida, my third year, and it took me. That's this is another thing too, which I mean, let's be real. When you you said if I was smarter, how smart are 18 year olds? Let's be real. I mean, we're not smart. <laughs> we're not. So um, I went to school, and a lot of I ended up going for five years because. I didn't know at the time, but not all of my credits transferred. So I ended up spending more money 
on the back end of it. Uh, I think my parents did end up helping me at the end. And even though I didn't have school loans, um, like student loans, traditional ones, when I graduated, I had no money. I'm talking bank account was at like negative five. I didn't even have money to get to to get gas to drive to the job that I got. So I had to take out a $5,000 loan after I graduated. Um, but that was like a totally different loan. It wasn't like the traditional school stuff. But I mean, still, like, you, I still had some sort of debt coming out of college. Um, but you're right. Like, it is this, like, this endless cycle, this endless game of what do we do. And, you know, we can also equate it back to even if you get a good job. I mean, Kayla, you and I had the same exact job out of college. That's how we met. Mm-hmm. And how much mm-hmm. money did that make? How much money did we make? Did it pay off our bills? No. <laughs> sure did not. And had we been smart, we would have been roommates. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, but the thing is, we get we have we come out of school sometimes with fifty thousand dollars in debt, and we're getting twenty five thousand dollar a year jobs, and they're not going up much. The struggle is real because again, if you want to go to school to be an aerospace engineer or a surgeon, I would argue it's probably worth every dime of debt that you're going to go into because you're probably going to be coming out making quite a heavy chunk of change when you come out of school. Right. So I right. do think there is your handful of opportunities that it's worth it, you know? Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm a broadcast journalism major. A lot of people are psychology majors, communication majors, you name it. You're going and spending almost three years taking dance theory 101 yep. and archaeology 101, crap that you don't even want to know about. You're paying tens of thousands of dollars for this. No. To me, there's there's got to be some kind of solution. If I could run the world and President Blakesley... I mean, I'd cut, I'd cut that in half. I, to me, I think four years of schooling is absolutely ridiculous. And here's the other thing too, you know, because I also got a traditional journalism degree. My husband is actually working um, for Fox Sports. He did not go to journalism school. He went to a trade school, and I think he spent, I want to say, like five thousand dollars going to like a year and a half program. Uh, he has the same amount of earning potential that I do. And I worked for five years, all that stuff. To, you know, I did the traditional route and he went the trade school route and it hasn't hurt him one bit. In fact, he just had a job interview recently where they're like, what? This is great. We love that you have this certification. Whereas no one has ever asked me about my degree. <laughs> yeah, maybe the better question is then, it, not necessarily where we're turning to to get our school loan <laughs> debt taken care of. Right. But is is schooling worth it versus real world, real world experience? Because my husband also doesn't have a college degree mm-hmm. and he is running digital marketing at a local TV station here in town and they didn't give a crap that he didn't have a piece of paper that said he went yeah. to school for four years and spent thousands of dollars on it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I know a lot of places around here. I can tell you if I was to hire someone and they didn't have a college education, that would scare the crap out of me. Um, it does mm-hmm. kind of give me a red flag so you know it's like it's like you either join the game and play the game and suck it up or you take a risk and don't play the game and hope it works out in the end so it's like you're damned if you do damned if you don't we could restructure the system which i 100 percent think that our collegiate system needs to be restructured but at the end of the day there are still millions and millions of adults who are in this predicament of these loans that they just cannot pay for where they thought they were doing everything right and the government has forgiven the banks the government has forgiven the car industry the government has bailed out numerous corporations and yet somehow all of these student loans people are drowning here and where's 
where's our bailout? Where's where's the government help there? You know, at least restructure the system so we're not spending a thousand dollars a month with eight hundred of it going to interest. Well, I mean, I don't, we know that's never going to happen. And I get, I guess I don't necessarily right. look for the government to bail me out on it either. Because, like I said, people who go to college make the conscious choice to do so. You know, but one could argue that the banks, when they were financially in crisis, they made the decisions to make all of those faulty loans. And, you know, so why did we bail them out? When they made those decisions, those bad decisions, and let's be real here, that was almost, what, eight or, no, ten years ago or so, they're making the same bad decisions again. No one checked on them, and yet they still got the bailout. I think it's a little bit different. I think, I almost compare sometimes school loans to business loans. Like, like you're investing in Heather Gardner. You know, that Mm -hmm. she is, I'm giving her this money because she's going to go put it to good use and not party for four years or five years and be (laughs) a good contribution to society and invest in society. You know, I don't know. I guess they view it differently. I don't know. I mean, sure. If the government wants to come wipe out my school loans, I'm all for it. I'm sure I'm going to be paying for it somewhere else that I can't see at the moment. But like I said, I flip and I flop. I think there's more of a problem with the education system than there is with the money to pay for it. No, I agree. And let me rephrase this. I don't mean that we should have just like, you know, President Trump just comes in one day and says, everybody's forgiven. That's not what I'm advocating for. What I'm saying here is that when it comes to pretty much any loan, your mortgage, Kayla, you you just bought a house. You've got a mortgage now. And now my bank account shows negative five. (laughs) Exactly. Um, um, If you have a mortgage or a car loan and something happens, you can always go back and restructure that. You can always refinance. You can always work to get a better interest rate. You can't do that with your student loans. You can absolutely consolidate your student loans. But that's not, that's different than trying to get a better interest rate or you trying can try to, get, to get a better um, interest rate. If, if, depends but, but, on if but, you got a fixed rate or not. I know, but what I'm saying is like most people didn't. They just threw these they threw these loans at these poor not poor, but like these uneducated 18 year olds who didn't know anything, who was just told to go to college, and now a lot of them can't do that. When at the same time, pretty much any other money that you borrow from any other institution, there are options, and there really aren't very many when it comes to paying off your student loans. I'll say there's not, I do agree with you in terms of not a lot of options, but I will say 18, I really did my due diligence and did my homework. And I'm, again, trust me, if someone wants to come wipe out my student loan debt, call me, I'll give you my email, whatever, I'll take that. But I did do my homework going into it and I knew exactly what I was signing up for. But you're right, not everybody does that. And you're right, there's not as many options. So I don't Mm -hmm. know. Again, President Blakesley, someday, maybe 2020, give me a call. We can try to restructure it together because let's just face it, it is jacked up and we can agree on that. You are not, you, you were just saying that you are in your late 20s. You are not old enough to be president in 2020. Well, 2024, whatever. I'm not good at math. Whatever year it might be, this will be at the top of my agenda. Okay, you heard it so here maybe on the Pretty should've... Politics Podcast. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't be president if you're not good at math. I'm really not. No, no, no. That's what I'll have you for. I'll hire someone else to do that for me. I'm not good at math either. This is the Pretty Politics Podcast. We always end with a little bit of news and shoes. Who said politics were boring? It's news and shoes. Kayla and Heather select the appropriate footwear for the top three news stories of the day. So, Heather, our three stories. What pair of shoes are you wearing for Trump's? jokes kind 
kind of racist, kind of anti-women. So what shoes you wear? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to put back on my pink tennis shoes because it looks like we have more protesting to do. Us nasty women need to get together oh, and go walk the streets. Oh, jeez. I'm putting on – they're also pink, but um, – my my point ballet slippers, you know the point ones with the toes. Oh yeah, I'm putting those on because, like I said, walking around you women, these liberal snowflake females, oh, I gotta tiptoe around all of you and walk on eggshells. So I feel like being nice is should not be a political issue. Let's just leave it there. We're gonna have to do that. Okay, <laughs> women's health, and if we even know anything about our bodies. Oh my gosh, I think I you know those um the I, those like shoe covers you put on like in the surgeons wear them and then maybe if you go to like an open house they make you put on those like covers yes. Yes. on your shoes basically but they're like shoe condoms basically oh, that's such a perfect shoe for this i know i just want to put i just want to put on the shoe condoms and just like dive deep into all this stuff protect the shoes obviously ladies Obviously, but we need to dive deep into all of the guts and the stuff and get in there and learn about ourselves. Well, I was going to throw on a pair of Doc Martens, not because they're a cute shoe, because they really aren't, but the Doc Martens, the Doc just seemed appropriate, but I kind of like the shoe condom better. So (laughs) I might trade my Doc Martens in for your shoe condom. So when it comes to, I mean, I got the perfect shoe for this, uh, whether we're turning to social media or game shows or whatever it is to pay our school loans. I right. said it when I was talking about, it, I feel flip and I feel flop. So I'm wearing a pair of flip flops because <laughs> I just don't know how I feel about this. Oh my gosh. Whenever I hear, whenever I hear like things about college or student loans, I just think about the five years that I waited tables. You waited tables too, didn't you? I Taylor? sure did. Sure did. Did you have to get those gross, non-stick, ugly ass shoes? Because I did. I had so many pairs of those. Um, I didn't, ha- I might had to at least be black sneakers. Yeah. I didn't have to do the nonstick, but I didn't like the black tennis shoes either. No, I had to get these black nonstick. You could only get them at like Walmart. And I know what ugly. you're talking about. They were Ooh. ugly and working at a restaurant, they were filled with food all the time on the bottom. It was disgusting. Maybe I wouldn't put even a shoe put them over in them. my car. I need to, but I, every time I think of this, I just always, I'm like, I never want to go back to that. <laughs> So we need to fix it. This is the Pretty Politics Podcast. You can get previous episodes at theprettypoliticspodcast.com. Feel free to submit your comments, your thoughts, give us ideas to talk about. We'd love to hear from you. But you can also do that on social media, which where are we on social media? You do all that. You can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at pretty underscore podcast. You can find me, Heather Gardner, at Heather G TV, And you can find Kayla, Kayla Blakesley at Kayla H. Blakesley. That's on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook. K.H. Blakesley. Oh, sorry. See, this is why you should just do you. Anyway, you can also find us online, as Kayla said in the beginning of the podcast, all of our previous episodes at prettypoliticspodcast.com. Also, iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you can get a podcast, we are there and we are free. Guys, yo. Nothing is in life is free except this podcast. From the cornfields of Indiana to the congested highways of LA, thank you for listening to Pretty Politics with your hosts, Kayla and Heather. 